Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um really glad to have you all here again. And uh it's time for another new guest. And this 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 guest has been long in the run, long in the coming. Like it's I have been trying to um arrange a conversation with um this person for about nine months and we keep getting delayed <laughs> and finally finally um they are here um welcome to the podcast erin green hi james thank you so much and i'm so sorry for the delays <laughs> from the last few months that is not that is not your fault don't worry um um it's just uh i've been been yeah wanting to have you on the show for ages and uh we've been friends on twitter for ages and uh talking about all sorts of things and now finally um got you here on the podcast so i'm happy to be here thank you for having me you're welcome absolutely um yeah it's it's great to have you here we're going to hear a bit of your story and then see where it goes um i'm excited yeah that sounds great yeah so tell us a bit about yourself and your story sure um so my well I guess I should start with my pronouns my pronouns are she they I identify as a queer non-binary person um let's see my story is I grew up in the evangelical church and um was closeted most of my life and had severe internalized homophobia for for a long time. <laughs> and my parents were also non-affirming. So I, I did not have any outlets to like come out as queer. Um, and I certainly didn't have any friends who were like me. I felt I, growing up, I always felt very um, shy and introverted and, and sort of was always observing things to make sure it was safe before I could participate. Um, And that's how it was for a very long time. And then I finally, after high school, left the evangelical church and kind of went on this wild rebellion. (laughs) I guess I shouldn't call it rebellion. I mean, I was trying to find myself. Um, I was trying to figure out you know, how can I be myself and love myself and, you know, sort of figure out these components of like, faith is still meaningful to me. But the faith that I grew up up with is not working for like me, because I'm, according to that faith view, I'm an abomination. I'm sinful I'm awful you know and and it was so hard for me to ever love myself or reconcile that so unfortunately um, I chose to uh, drink a lot and I got into some pretty abusive practices with alcohol and it was very destructive and but it at the time it was it was the only way in in a way it was a relief <laughs> because it it was the only thing at the time that allowed me to be myself or to to be to have some semblance of freedom 
even though I would never say that that is a life of freedom now. Um, but at the time, that's, that's all I had, you know, and it, um, it was a pretty, pretty rough patch in my life. I came out of that, um, thankfully, in one piece and um, kind of, you know, had to start all over um, again and start with a clean slate. And I, I dove headfirst into work and capitalism and found my validation through that means and it, another unhealthy way to find validation, you know? So looking, you know, in hindsight now I can see like, oh, wow, I found these really toxic systems. Um, I use them as ways to like cope and it wasn't helping at all. Um, finally, I resigned from my job that I had for a very long time and decided, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go back to school. I had to start all over in college. Like I, I was at a community college at first and decided I'm going to get my bachelor's degree in biblical studies um, and then go get my master's degree, um, get an MDiv. And that's what I did. I, I did back-to-back degrees. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of helping people, queer people, and and allies, anybody um, who sort of struggles with this religious trauma and reconciliation um, piece, because I think so many of us go through it. And so that's what I did. And the work that I do now is um, I work for a nonprofit called REAP. It stands for Religious Exemption Accountability Project. And Essentially, we protect um, queer and trans students who attend religious colleges across the United States, where their their rights are being systemically denied um, on a daily basis, and they're discriminated against on a daily basis. So the work that I do is in directly helping folks who have been in situations very similar to mine growing up. Um, so that is, I mean, essentially, I'm, you know, my story in a nutshell. And so I'm sort of here um, <clears throat> still doing that activism work that I've been doing for the last seven years and <clears throat> also trying to figure out my own path of spirituality. I, I think it's, it's a process. It's an ongoing process um, in everyone's life and it doesn't, it doesn't, stop or at least it hasn't for me so I'm kind of just going with it um but that's my that's my story and thank you Annie. Sure. yeah that's fascinating I, I mean not even I've known you for a while and I, I didn't know all of that so uh that's thank you for inviting us into that um sure um yeah and I, that's a powerful journey to go on um uh, it's interesting that that comment about rebellion like like, and actually, it's not really rebellion anymore, is it? It's, it's, it's actually just having the courage to step into yourself. It's if it's rebellion, it's rebellion against toxic systems, oppressive systems. Yes. So um, yeah, it's but like when I said that word, I wanted to like undo it. 
um, because at the time that I was kind of going to gay bars and like trying to find myself and trying to find new friends who would accept me and love me. Um, to me at that time, it felt like rebellion. It felt like I was rebelling against God and it felt like I was rebelling against my parents and the church and everything. But that's, you're right. It's not rebellion. Um, it was just finding myself. I was trying so hard to find a space that welcomed me and loved me because it wasn't available at home, at the church, or with my friends, my straight friends. Mm. Yeah, and that's why that's what the journey is for many for many people. But like, yeah, like you, um, absolutely. Many people who are deconstructing as well. It's kind of a a journey to discover yourself because you've been told who you're not and who you're meant to be for your whole life. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. That's an interesting thing to say. Cause like I, I used to think that everything about, <clears throat> sorry, I still have lingering COVID gunk in my throat. So I apologize for, um, <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed actually. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I just feel like I'm like trying to get it out there. Um, but yeah, still living in a pandemic. Um, so I feel like, at least in my experience, my faith views or the few the views that I was immersed into um, without choice it was that like God is the center of your life. That's what it should be. And then you are supposed to like as a human are supposed to be humbled and you know, modest and like you, the focus, the center should never be on you. Um, and within the deconstruction process, like you were just saying, I think I've realized that, oh my God, I, I'm like, yes, it does have to do with me. A lot of this does have to do with me. And a lot of it does have to do with me just loving myself and being tender with myself. And, and, once I put together those pieces, I'm like, oh, this is this is how we love other people. Like if we can, if we're concerned about our welfare, my welfare, I'm certainly going to be concerned about everybody else, you know, and I, <clears throat> so I think that that ideology of like, decentering humanity is really harmful and toxic. Um, and that was something I had to learn in the deconstruction process. But it's, yeah, and I'm still learning more about it, you know. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? We're all still learning and it never stops. Um, and I love that. I love that we're always learning and unlearning and growing. And, yeah, those journeys go on. Like, I found it really interesting because I, one thing I noticed that you went from struggling with alcohol to, like, almost a form of religious certainty, like, um, like, um, cause that's often what happens, isn't it? Like I've, I, even when I was like, like a regular churchgoer, I noticed this pattern that there was, that there were people who were kind of struggling with an addiction of some kind, whether it was alcohol or drugs or like, um, any kind of, you know, addiction, which, uh, harmful addiction. Uh, and then they would, 
a Christian would come into their life and they would be they would be saved, they would give up everything, they would yeah. they would they would, they would get into recovery and and you know make a you know and get get healthy. And then they would come into the church and become pastors and get married and you know and oh look how God redeemed my life kind of thing, you know. Then they would go from addiction to kind of almost religious certainty. So it was almost like you're covering up you're not actually dealing with the problem. You're to a certain extent, you're covering up with certainty, which is like I talk about this a lot on my podcast, that how we mm. how people can often cover up grief and trauma and and you know the insecurities and all those things with with certainty and religious certainty and also the certainty that comes in capitalism you know it like capitalism encourages us to medicate everything it doesn't encourage us to actually deal with our our pain our grief um because we're just machines for the empire right so um so it was really interesting that you that was part of your journey before you really started to kind of in inverted commas rebel <laughs> um and yeah um, and and really come into your own identity yeah and i i i think that like there's also an argument in um oh sorry my dog is barking in the background that's not good for a podcast but um <laughs> it's I try to go in the quietest spot ever, but like some sort, something always happens. Um, anyway, so there's an argument that likens addiction to being queer. And it's, it's by, I think a side B theologian, Kevin DeYoung. Um, oh, yeah, he, I know. Yeah. he writes about, how he thinks that, you know, being queer is very much like being an alcoholic or having um, difficulty or challenges with alcohol. And so, and I thought about this a lot because I was like, that doesn't work because like when I'm like, when I live into who I am, when I live and step into my queerness, when I fully step in and embrace who I am, I thrive. But when I was abusing alcohol, when I fully embrace that abuse and I fully embrace that toxicity of abusing alcohol, you don't thrive like that. That's harmful. So that's, And that was an argument I had to kind of reconcile in my own head or think about because I was like, am I like this? Is, is this what being queer is like? It's not. Um, But yes, I did have a moment of, I guess, certainty or at least a certainty of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, And I was determined and, and able to get through all those hurdles, I think, because I knew I just felt deep down in my heart. And I, <laughs> so I haven't like jettisoned my faith fully. I, I identify as a Christian, but um, I just felt deep down in my heart that God could po- not possibly want for humanity for them to hate themselves. For any reason whatsoever, I I just thought this is so. And if that if that God does exist, then I don't want to have anything to do with him, or her, or they. 
if that's the way God works, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, and I'm still learning about that. I'm still learning and processing all the things about faith and like what the bib- biblical text says and what people, what other people are saying. And, um, <clears throat> but yeah, but I feel like I'm more uncertain now about things <laughs> than I was before. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm totally okay with uncertainty. And I've learned to kind of live in this fog, this fog of like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer. And I'm, I'm fine with that. And, and what's funny is, or it's not funny, actually, it's quite harmful. I think evangelical Christianity, especially prides itself on having the answers to everything. Mm. They have to have an answer for every damn thing. Mm. But when you live in this world where I'm at and where many of us are, we will admit, and I will admit wholeheartedly, I don't know. I just don't know. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's healthier for me than it was to try to act like or pretend or think or feel like I know the answer to everything because I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've been on this on this kind of road of not knowing all the answers for, what, 17 years? And honestly, it, it's so great. It's so liberating. It's so life-giving to just admit like I don't I don't one I don't know all the answers two I may never know all the answers three I don't need to know all the answers like you know and like I mean like the idea of having all the answers sounds just boring you know <laughs> like, like you've got an answer for literally everything like like what 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 is there new to discover you know what is there new to imagine what is there what what you know like that's not. Doesn't feel. Doesn't even feel like a life when when you've got all the answers, right? No, there's no room for creativity. There's no room for imagination, like you said. There's no room for mystery, or or critically thinking through something. You know, just like you said, discovering something. Um, what an awful way to live. You know, I want to be opened up to like. Um, everything I possibly can be, and I and I feel like the less I know, but I'm still educating myself. Like, don't get me wrong; I want to be like up to speed and like helpful for folks and helpful within my activism. But like, I still want to enter into like some sort of. I want to be awed. I want to be in awe. You know, and I want to be able to explore new things and critically evaluate things. I just, I just can't, um, it doesn't settle well with me to be like, yeah, I know when the earth was created. Okay. Like what? How does anybody know? Like, that's just wild to me that, that it seems to be this need or desire for control and power in some way, having the yeah exactly that's it and it's a way to medicate yourself out of dealing with traumatic experiences and dealing with 
you know, wounds, internal wounds, dealing and physical wounds and every kind of wound. And it's sad. It's kind of sad because I I feel sorry for people who can't who, who don't deal with their stuff because they'll never really be free. You know, that stuff will always control them as long as they continue to ignore it. And it, it's it's sad, you know. And I said it not in a patronizing way, but in a truly like compassionate kind of way that I wish more people could were willing to deal with their stuff because it's it's healing and liberating and it's not it's not it's painful and it's hard work to do that but it's but it's ultimately healing and liberating um and I agree <clears throat> I had I mean I looked back on my journey with alcohol in my early 20s and you know I think a a like if somebody were observing from the outside, they would say, oh, they just have a problem with alcohol and this is a part of their, you know, bad decision-making and lifestyle. For me, <clears throat> no. <laughs> like I had to evaluate and now I can evaluate like why. I had, I had so much internalized homophobia and so much fear and trauma and shame and guilt and i like who who wouldn't want to be relieved of those feelings and thoughts you know and and alcohol at i used alcohol for that purpose um which is an unhealthy way of coping um and dealing you know with with the trauma and the pain and things like that but it, it like I had to really evaluate. You know why? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Not just oh, they. You know, we can make um, stereotypes about folks, and I think that often happens with queer people. Um, the it's medically, clinically demonstrated that queer folks have a higher propensity for drug and alcohol abuse. Well, it's no no wonder why. You know because of all of the harm um, and damaging things that we have to deal with. Um, but yeah, so just being able to like look back and close up some old wounds. There's a lot of scars there and I'm sure there'll be more, but I think you're, you're so right that that's such a integral part of moving forward and obviously in the healing process. Yeah. 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 I mean, if everything's certain, it's like, it's like, it's like someone telling you what happens in a movie in intricate detail before you go and see it. Like, even if you watch the movie and enjoy it, it's kind of ruined because you already know yeah. what's going to happen. Right. So you, so you don't feel it as much. You don't, it's, it's the experience is gone. It's like, it's not, you know, the, it's, it's not the same. Like, um, like who wants, who wants that? Like it's like religious certainty is like wanting everyone to tell you what happens in every Marvel movie, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like what, what happens in the post credit scene? What happens in a, you know, like, um, what, what, what are the Easter eggs? Like before, tell me before I go and see it. Like nobody does that. Right. Nobody does that. And it's awful. It's awful. No one wants a film to be ruined or a story like that to be ruined. 
Um, and I feel like it ruins it. You're right. And, and gosh, when, as you were saying that, it reminded me of like the book of Revelation and how Christians try to spell out for everybody what, what the end of the world is going to look like and be like and feel like and, and all those things. And, and we don't, we don't know. There's no way to know. And we should, we, they need to stop, um, <clears throat> Ruining the movie <laughs> because that's what they're doing. Um, that's a really good way to put it. But yeah, it is It is like ruining a good story or a good film. And they just need to stop, James. Hmm? They just need to stop. We yeah, they do. All yeah. Evangelicals just need to. Yeah. I remember when I was in my, my progressive church and I heard people talking about like what was going to happen at the end and all the crowns and everyone getting crowns and some people getting crowns, some people not getting crowns. And I was like, one, that sounds weird. Two, I'm not sure I entirely believe this. And three, like, I, I, why is God going to, why is God going to reward some people and not reward other people when he loves everybody equally? Isn't that kind of a, like kind of a um, capitalist view of things, like you do more and you get more kind of thing. Isn't that's not yes. really what Jesus talked about, is it? Like, you know, um, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But I never said that out loud, but that's what was going on in my head. And, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like, are you, like, just if maybe just admit that you're afraid of what happens when you die because you don't know. And Absolutely. That's, that's a normal human thing. Like, fine. Yeah, we're all going to die. Yeah, none of us knows exactly what happens, right? We can argue, we can believe what happens, but we don't know factually because no one's ever died and then come back five years later and said, this is what happens when you die. Right, exactly. <laughs> we don't yeah. have any evidence for that. So, like, um, so, yeah. Um, I was thinking of the um, the telescope, the James Webb telescope, the photos yes. from that, and uh, like I think they're from what there's some there was one from the other end of the universe, like with all these like literally galaxies, like there were all these galaxies sort of on this photo. I've got I've got it as my screensaver on my phone now because it's, it's just beautiful, open. and it's like all oh, these like loads of galaxies there, like like and they're all massive, but it's little dots, and there's loads of them. Like and and that photo was like from thirteen billion years ago, right? That, yeah. Like that's when the universe, like near the beginning of the universe, like like. And I was just like, wow! Like there is so much we don't know, and that is great. Yes. Like like, <laughs> like let's keep learning. <laughs> right. Um, oh, and by the way, the Earth isn't five thousand years old. It's actually a lot older than that. So um, let's just. Let go of that Thank as well. God it's older than that too. Cause like what, I mean, what the heck I, you're so right. And looking into a photo like that should have, for me evoked feelings of like, Oh, this is, you know, cause we, as, as humanity has progressed and we, we keep finding all these things and discovering and inventing. And, you know, now we're in this like <clears throat> wild, um technological age and things like that and sometimes i think like wow 
what will be the next big thing? Like, will that even happen? Because we've already done so much. But looking at a photo like that, it's like, well, actually, no. There's so much more to do. And and obviously, the world is in such a, like, a terrible place right now. <laughs> there is there is a lot of work to be done and a lot of innovation to be had because of the way that capitalistic systems, the way that racism has survived, the way that all of these awful things have survived throughout history. Um, you know, we need to find innovative ways to dismantle those things. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much. I'm going to make that my screensaver now, too, now that you mention it. Because I Uh, couldn't. I just love getting my phone up and seeing that. I'm just. (laughs) Yeah. That's. that's, They're all galaxies 10, like 10, 13 billion years ago. That's like. And it's just like you can't get your head around it. Like, I. Yeah. Like, there was. I've often said to myself, like, if I could, if I could just live forever, like I didn't have a need a physical body to breathe, I could just go anywhere in all the universe. I would love to just float around the universe forever and go and see all these places, and go to all these galaxies, and go to and just yeah. look at all these things that you see in the telescope. And for real, like and like, of course, that can never happen. But like, wouldn't it be amazing to to just? I could literally just look at all that stuff just. Yes, like, it's fascinating to look at. There was another photo, I think, of some some nebula. I forget what nebula it was, but I was just like, what? That is out there in the universe? Like, <laughs> that's just chilling there in the universe, and it's so gorgeous. Like, it was so beautiful, and it made me want to be there. <laughs> I just wanted to be there and not here, um, <laughs> you yeah. know, on this on yeah. this mud ball. Yeah. I, I love watching documentaries about um, the, the, the moon race and stuff and the Apollo missions and all of that because you get to see the photos from the moon. Yeah. And of them landing on the moon. It's like, I'm, I'm always, like, just completely gripped by it. It's just... It's wild. And then, it's... then, then like, the first people that went into that went to the moon, well, they didn't land on it, but the first people that went that far out and actually saw the Earth as a planet and it was, and they were like, Phew. I think they actually said something from the Bible, and like, and God created the heavens and the earth, or something. And they actually read that on TV, or I think, when they first saw it. Yeah. And it was, I they, 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 there's a documentary where they play that, and it's like, whoa, you know, you know, it's, it's like pretty, one, yeah, one one round planet in like a whole universe, like made up of multiple galaxies. Like, exactly, and we're still trying to find out things about other planets in our galaxy and we you know the the ability to be able to do that is still like very difficult and challenging for that i don't know it's just it's pretty wild to think about it's a cool thing to think about because it it doesn't like to go back to that certainty thing like it makes me feel more confident in my ability to just say i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah and yeah, who needs everything explained? There's too much wonder out there. There is too much. 
And it's great. Yeah. It's a great it thing. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it is great. So, oh, um, so how did your journey, how did your journey impact your spirituality? Um, how did it, hmm. did it make to that? That's a good question. I used to be so devoted to like reading the Bible every day when I was a kid and, you know, being in Bible studies and things like that. I was fascinated by the text. Um, but now I, that I've, <laughs> I have a degree in biblical studies and a master of divinity. I have not touched or opened my Bible up in four years and I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, or I mean, not in four years. No, 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 no. That's not true. In two years, um, almost two years since I've graduated and, um, I haven't been to church and I can't remember the last time. I mean, I went to chapel and seminary, but to me that doesn't really count. Um, although a sermon was preached, (laughs) um, I, I just, I'm learning new things about spirituality. I'm trying to find other modalities of spirituality rather than just church tradition um, mm. and what tradition teaches about that. I, I have learned that church to me is experiences beyond the four walls of a building that meets, that gathers every you know weekend. To me, it's it's become just even hanging out with friends, um, sharing a meal, going on a hike, uh, going on a hike with my dog, playing my guitar, playing the piano, sharing community, sharing with other folks and helping other folks, doing the activism that I do, that's church to me. And and I I don't care what other people say about that because I know there's a lot of traditional folks who are super into into tradition I am not at all um so some would say maybe my spirituality's backslided a little bit but I'm I'd never like I never went in with the intention of being a pastor um I did it with the intention of helping other people helping other people especially like myself who were struggling um to find their path of like acceptance and self-love mm-hmm. and that's what I did this for. And, and also for some self like knowledge, I wanted to know more about the Bible. I wanted to know more about the historical research. I wanted to know, you know, is this really written by Paul? Well, turns out no, like, (laughs) you know, so I, I needed to know these things and I wanted to know those things. Um, so my spirituality is kind of a hodgepodge of things. And I'm open to um, experiencing different forms of spirituality. I am a really um, very appreciative of Judaism and um, everything I've learned from my Jewish friends. Um, it's mm-hmm. something that I have often thought about converting to. <laughs> So I'm I'm kind of in this world of again mystery, uncertainty. Um, you know, 
I don't think that spirituality is there's one path or one road or, you know, one way, whatever. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, experimented with, with not going to church or not being involved in a a denomination or a tradition, even though I'm a member of the Presbyterian USA church. Um, I just don't feel connected to church life, air Mm. quotes, um, or denomination or polity or things like that. I feel very disconnected from those things. Um, and I'm okay with that. Hmm. That's really cool. I love that. I love that. That, that. I found in all the conversations that I've had and in my own experience too, that when people let go of toxic religion, um, as opposed to healthy spirituality, um, it actually widens and broadens and deepens the spiritual journey. And um, you find more spiritual intimacy, more depth, um, more peace, I guess, um, than, than just sticking rigidly within the boundaries of religion. You know, um, is that yeah. your experience? Yes. And I, I like the part that you say, like when you talk about peace, um, because like we would think that knowing more or adding to our knowledge about something would like give us more peace. For me, I'm like, I guess in some ways that gives me peace, but like, I feel like (laughs) my connection to God, I feel like God is really okay with me just being like, I'm, I am not equipped to fully attain to everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What a great movie that is. I know. I know. Um, So I, yeah, I I do feel more at peace, um, especially within the realms of whatever religion tries to tell us to do or Christianity or XYZ denomination or tradition. Um, I feel like things desperately need to change within the church, and I want to be a part of that change, but I for some reason I feel like that's not going to happen with me being in the church. There are a lot of people who try to change the church from the inside out and think that, you know, believe that they have a mission or that's part of their value to, to help folks within the church. I don't feel uh, drawn to that at all. I feel like my work is outside of that and um, creating spaces and creating other forms of church air quotes, or I I don't even like to use that word, I guess, spiritual spaces um, for people outside of a traditional church arena. So I think change will come from the outside. um, Yeah. Personally. Yeah, I feel like there's a move towards different kinds of sacred spaces. 
Right. And I think, I think it should be that way. Absolutely. And one's in a different, with a different structure, with a different format. And it's not one person leading from the front and speaking and everything, that it's collective, that it's community, that it's um, inclusive, inclusive, that it's yes equal, you know. Um, Absolutely. And we're going to see new forms of yeah. spiritual community, completely new forms, which are um, completely different and much healthier. I agree. And, and just because like maybe something didn't happen a certain way in the biblical text does not mean that we can't do that now. And I think that's one of the greatest lies that the, that conservative traditions try to tell like, Oh, they did this this way in the text. Um, So that's the way that we always have to do things. It's an argument from tradition. It's a fallacy. Um, that is not true. We don't always have to do things that way. Like we don't wear head coverings anymore, or at least evangelical Christians that I know don't wear head coverings anymore in church. Um, men don't have to grow beards, you know, things like that. We don't follow those roles. Why, you know, why can't we stretch our imaginations beyond um, whatever is happening in the world of the text, which is an ancient world? And we need to get out of that. <laughs> we don't live in an ancient world. Um, so, yeah, I think sacred space is everywhere. And that's, what's, that's what I'm learning about um, currently. And discovering which sacred spaces are my favorite. Because <laughs> I, I love discovering new ones and um, being a part of them. and and relying more on community, which is something that I never did before. I It was very hard for me to receive anything. And it was very, like, I would always get, I would be okay with giving, but it was hard for me personally to receive. And um, I've realized that you know, there has to be reciprocal um, relationships in, in any type of community dynamic. And, um, I'm just learning a lot about how community functions and like the ways we can rely on each other. Um, And it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. Instead of this individualistic cap that's, and that's capitalism too. This individualized, you know, journey that you have to go on or whatever, take care of yourself. Um, so the the reliance on people has grown for me in my spiritual life. And um, it's been pretty beautiful. Mm, same. Yeah, I've, I've got much healthier communities now than I've ever had. Me too. Like, Safe I people have, are great. <laughs> I've chosen... Like chosen family, almost, you know, and yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that my birth family is also healthy. Uh, my relationships with them are healthy as well. Um, yeah. um, but I have a chosen family, and that's and that is life giving. And it's not even codependent. It's not even codependent either. It's just healthy community and healthy relationship. Right. That's um, really. I love that. That's so great. 
we all need more of that. I feel like I, I need more of that, you know, and I'm trying to create that, um, openness within myself to like, be able to receive that in my life. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, this has been great today. Really great. Um, (laughs) it's been pretty awesome. What's uh, so just to finish, like, what's what's the one thing that you would that you've learned on your journey that you would want everyone to know? That is a great question. What I would want everybody to know try everything. Um, and I think that that's actually biblical. <laughs> um, Many would argue that it's not, but don't be afraid to try things. And Ecclesiastes, like for it's my favorite book in the text because it tells us like do everything. And I've he's the author is saying I've done everything under the sun, and it's okay for you to do that too. Um, and I was like. When I when I when that finally soaked into my brain and body, I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like it's okay for us to to try things, and even dangerous things are bad things." Air quotes, you know, or I don't know, wonderful, joyful things. Uh, you know, yeah. um, and I that's what I that's what I would tell people to do, and and you know, just. To not have any fear. Um, take risks. Take risks. Take risks. Yeah. Within moral and ethical boundaries, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> obviously, there there is a boundary around that. Um, and I would encourage, like, if they're interested in, in like, that, um, they could, you know, read Ecclesi- just Ecclesiastes, just, just as a piece of literature, I think it's such such an interesting piece of literature. Um, It's formed me and shaped me greatly, and it's helped me learn how to read the room. Um, And that's mainly what it talks about. It's like, you know, do what you're going to do, but read the room. Be able to read the room and to understand, is this appropriate at this time? Or is this appropriate, more appropriate in another time? It's helped shape my wisdom. It's helped shape my knowledge. And I, if I had to pick one piece of literature um, out of the, you know, pluck one out of the text, it would be that one. So to take risks, but of course, always maintain ethical and moral, you know, boundaries for yourself and for others. Consent is huge, like everything. Um. But yeah, it does allow us to be more exploratory. And the, I guess that goes along with the theme of what we've been talking about this entire time. Of don't, be, don't be afraid to explore. Fantastic. Oh, thank you, Aaron. I feel like we could, we could keep talking. <laughs> I know. It's a great combo. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so where can people find you online? Where can they find me? I'm on Twitter at Erin Green Bean. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is a little harder to find, so I won't I won't plug that one. 
Um, but I'm also, I do have a website. I have not updated it recently, but I do have writings on there that um, do have to do with spirituality and the biblical text and hermeneutics and exegesis and all those fun things. If you're interested, it's erinrgreen.com. Um, those are the two main ways that folks can get a hold of me. And then also the work that I do at REAP, um, that's at, or just at REAP LGBTQ on socials and www.thereap.org. Fantastic. And do follow Erin. They are fantastic. Um, yeah. Always great to talk to you on Twitter. And now almost in person. Um, I know we're <laughs> almost there. We just, you know, now we, now we have to meet in person next time. Yes. That's, that's the next goal. Yes. Next time I'm where you are, you where I am. We'll do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, thanks for coming on the show. Um, and thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>